Treehouse products are crafted to bring you the best that legal, delivered-to-your-door THC has to offer. Treehouse utilizes unique blends of carefully selected minor cannabinoids that get you lit in ways you've only ever dreamed of. From Delta 8 vape pens with innovative blends of Delta 9 and THCP, to the tastiest HHC-infused syrups and hemp flower pre-rolls on the planet, Treehouse has got you covered. Ready to delight in dank gummies and puff-powerful vapes? Head over to treehouse.com. That's T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. There's only one E, not two, in treehouse.com. When you go there, get 30% off your order and a free Acapulco Gold HHC pre-roll. You can use the coupon code GENIUS. That's G-E-N-I-U-S. This offer expires August 31st, 2023. Grab your goodies and meet us for some fun in the treehouse. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, My guest is Jessica Hicks. She runs Itty Bitty Micro Farm and she grows like greens and sprouts and uh, other other crops that we'll discuss. So, Jessica, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. If you would, tell me about your background. What got you into farming or homesteading, and uh, then we'll go into what you're working on right now. Honestly, if you had asked me five years ago if I was going to be here, I would have never expected it. I come from a background of restaurants. We grew up with far- with gardens and things like that, but really farming, micro-farming, things like that um, was not necessarily something in my planned life. But when 2020 hit, we were we were looking at the the idea of trying to find the most nutritious foods for our families. We do have uh, four kids. So finding, you know, you have no job right now because I was a restaurant manager. So we were shut down and with four kids at home and you're looking for, well, let's get them some nutritious food and make sure we're staying healthy and becoming more conscious about that. We had done sprouting in the past, but with my time um, being spent in restaurants so much, we didn't really nurture sprouts very well. <laughs> that was a challenge for sure. And I had done microgreens here and there just for like fun projects with the kids, things like that, but never really took it seriously. But when we started looking at, you know, hey, we want to start producing some of our own food and really evaluating what we were doing with our lives and what we were doing with our nutrition, especially for our kids. So we started gardening put the garden in, got chickens, like a lot of people. (laughs) Um, We got our chickens and started really embracing the idea of producing our own food. And then when 2020 started getting colder, um, we're in central Illinois. So as fall hits, you start like winding down your crop production in your garden. And we were looking at what the best solution was for the winter. And we're like, well, we can start growing some microgreens. So we did some sprouts, but definitely focused on the microgreens in the windowsill. Um, we have a windowsill that faces a little bit more sunshine, so we were able to grow some. Yeah, you started growing microgreens, and then what happened next? Um, so we started growing the microgreens, and as 
people found out we were growing them, like my mom and my sisters and family and friends were like, hey, we'd like to try those too. So we started sharing those with family and friends and really started sharing them with the neighborhood as well. And as we discovered that that was more of a a possibility for business as well, um, we were able to share with more and more people. And we started actually selling our microgreens online, mostly at first um, for home deliveries and really um pushing towards that side of it. And then when spring hit, we were able to start selling at the farmer's market and really sharing the health benefits of microgreens and bringing some things from the garden like lettuces and tomatoes and things like that as well, but really focusing on the health benefits of um, sharing such a new product to our area. Well, what happened with the restaurants? Um, I never went back. <laughs> So the restaurant that I worked in did end up opening back up well over a year later and changed ownership and everything else since then. It's definitely not something that I necessarily miss. Thankfully, I am very blessed to say that our full-time jobs are microgreens now. We were never in a position where we had to go back to restaurants. My husband and I both run our microgreens business from our home. And actually, we just signed a lease this week for a warehouse space. So, so you, you were in a running restaurant, you were working in a restaurant, but you didn't own restaurants. I didn't. We owned restaurants in the past, actually. Up until 2019, we owned restaurants, and then I just went into restaurant management. We sold our restaurant to an investor and switched over to just restaurant management to step back a little bit, kind of see our children a little bit more. So my husband was in operations on that restaurant side, and then I was the general manager of a singular restaurant at that point. So it was a little little better to see the kids and actually watch them grow up a little bit. And then obviously when 2020 hit, we actually got to really get to know our kids and see them. They were all teenagers at that point. So really focusing on family and being able to say, hey guys, this is important too. We need to evaluate what we're eating and get healthy. Okay. All right. So what kind of products do you uh, bring to market now? What kind of microgreens or sprouts? So we are up to 17 varieties of microgreens if you count mixes. Um, We do focus a lot on mixes. Um, A lot of those are in grocery as well. We do service 22 grocery stores currently and then quite a few restaurants and two farmer's markets we're still doing right now. So we do a lot of broccoli, um, a lot of micro mixes, which is like five different varieties in one. But we do a lot of custom mixes like our powerhouses, sweet peas, broccoli, kale, and red cabbage. So that's a great combination of nutrition, I think. Um, It's something that we ate anyway. So we bring a lot of the things that we're enjoying at home to the market to kind of introduce them as salad mixes. All right. What about the uh, the health benefits? What What have you discovered of the different microgreens out there? Which ones do what? So health benefits wise, there is a ton of really awesome research out there. Broccoli has been, I think, the number one for research just simply because it is so high in sulforaphane, which is that cancer fighting agent that you're looking for through broccoli for most people. So study wise, that is probably the most heavily studied microgreen out there. It's super exciting to see that even since 2020, there have been a lot more studies, including studies like growing microgreens in space. Like who'd have thought about that? So we really are excited to see that. We do focus a lot on the health benefits, especially with broccoli. Um, Red cabbage is another really awesome one as well. We really push that one. That one's really great for heart health. So if you have high blood pressure, if you're looking for something more towards like the health benefits of microgreens, we usually try to follow um, publications like Modern Agriculture Magazine. Super great one there. 
but we usually try to follow any kind of articles that are out. I think a new one just came out called the Specialty Greens Packing Nutritional Punch, and that was through Ag Research Magazine. Super good one there too. What does that mean? What makes the new what? Broccoli, you said, is sulforaphane for anti-cancer. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other mixes you have and what's the goal for health-wise? Or what are they supposed to do? So our goal is to kind of start with like a protein type base. So sunflowers or peas are going to be those higher protein micros slash shoots more so. Um, they're kind of a bit larger than a microgreen. So sunflowers and peas would qualify more as a shoot. So we'll use those as a base and then we'll build on top of that. So our crunchy salad is sunflowers, sweet peas, and broccoli. So it's a good flavor profile, also really high in protein and also has the broccoli in that. Most of our mixes do keep the broccoli within that just to make sure that we're able to provide a pretty balanced salad in that. Okay. But again, of the health benefits, the different mixes, are you tailoring them for different health effects or people just go by the taste and they like the different mixes or is it more macros? Like this one has more fiber, this one has more protein. Like what's the approach that you see it works in the marketplace? So with the consumer side, our goal is mostly taste-based, honestly. The goal is to really get them to try them more so. We're at the beginning stages of really getting them to try them. Being in the Midwest, we have had a bit of a challenge with teaching people how to use microgreens. And the health benefits are awesome, but really getting them to taste them first is our number one priority. If you can get them to try them and consistently eat them, the health benefits follow. Treehouse Live Rosin Liquid Diamond Vape Pens. Combine the impressive taste and potency of live rosin extract with the power of liquid THC diamonds to bring you an unrivaled buzz and mouth-watering flavor profile. If you like getting lit, head over to treehouse.com. That's T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. One E, not two. When you go there, take your vape game up to new heights. Enjoy 30% off your order and get a free Acapulco Gold HHC pre-roll when you use coupon code GENIUS. Again, that's G-E-N-I-U-S. Hurry because the offer expires August 31st, 2023. Treehouse, the best that legal, delivered to your door, THC has to offer. Oh, what are some of the health benefits that you've experienced? What have you noticed? Um, For us, really consistently, um, our blood pressure has been much better. My husband actually just finished a battle with thyroid cancer. We were kind of surprised by that one. It's been an interesting story with that. He had a lump on his throat in 2021, and it was just a small lump. They thought it was a goiter. This kind of dismissed it. Um, Modern medicine doesn't really prioritize anything that doesn't look super urgent. And it slowly grew. As it grew, we kind of kept watching it. The doctor did an ultrasound on it, said it was just a nodule. As it continued to grow, they actually noticed that it might be something more than just a nodule. So they did a biopsy and another ultrasound, saw that it was continuing to grow. And they said, "Okay, well, we need to probably go ahead and take the nodule out. When they took it out, they found out it was actually an aggressive form of cancer called Perthal cell carcinoma, it's pretty rare form of cancer, especially in men, which it's normally an aggressive form of cancer. So they were quite surprised that it didn't grow faster. And I personally attribute it to the fact that we do eat so many microgreens. It was fighting it off, just not completely. Within 10 days, they had to do a second surgery to completely remove his thyroid. And he's had zero recurrence of anything. Um, he's had scans and blood work and everything done and nothing is showing any spread. So we're incredibly blessed and super thankful for that. But I fully attribute it to the fact that we do eat microgreens completely on a regular basis. And we've actually increased that since finding out about that. So 
Oh, you eat microgreens every day and how much and how do you eat them? So we eat microgreens every day. We average about four ounces per person per day, which is a lot more than what an average person would eat, usually in salads. But also if we're making a pasta dish, chicken fettuccine alfredo with broccoli microgreens is amazing. Um, you can throw them in by the handfuls. A serving size to me is usually about two to three ounces of microgreens. And we try to work those into at least two meals a day. Each morning we start out with an omelet or an egg of some sort, some sort of protein. And then we'll throw in either some red cabbage, broccoli, or kale microgreens with that. And then usually either lunch or dinner will microgreens as well. So you cook them or you throw them in raw at the end of the the meal. So typically we're not going to want to cook them per se, but we will wilt them in towards the end. So as I'm adding a sauce to a pasta dish, I'll add the microgreens in there. Um, you don't want to overcook them because they are they will like kind of disappear into the meal pretty quickly if you do that. And then also that breaks down your nutrients too much. So you really want to kind of wilt them in right at the end of a meal. And with breakfast, usually they're just done raw within an omelet. Just, just put them in, fold them in. Oh, okay. So they may cook a little bit, but you're eating them usually like a minute or so yes and not too cooked exactly okay so in addition to uh you know helping your husband not have a far worse cancer um what what did you guys feel when you had them when, you know when you started i don't know if you remember but for our customers you know when customers first start having them what do they report what do they feel a lot of incredible reports for people saying hey i've got so much more energy i feel so much better i feel like i'm eating clean um, so that's been huge kind of getting those reports back. And I remember when we really started eating the microgreens a lot more, um, as we got better at growing them and we started growing more varieties, we started off with, you know, four or five varieties. And then as we expanded into, you know, growing like the red cabbages and the kales, really incorporating those into your diet, you feel so much better. It's such a light feeling compared to a lot of these heavier meals, the American diet, um, typically has. So I think it adds that extra positive feeling to your body. My blood pressure has been great. Um, I used to have a little bit higher blood pressure. I kind of attribute it to restaurants, but at the same time, it was probably my diet as well because you're always eating on the run. You're always eating whatever's around. So really being mindful of what we're eating and really eating more microgreens has been huge for our diet. Mm. Okay. So customers said they have more energy, they feel better. Yeah, more energy. They feel better. Um, we've got a few of them that have been really working it into their weight loss programs as well, because, you know, eating raw vegetables really, really helps kind of feel, fill you up and also really um, helps with weight loss. So how, do, how does it help with weight loss as you observed? Does it literally help you to lose weight to consume them, it seems? Or, you know, how does it help? It just satiates you just so you don't eat as much or... I think it's more of a satiation so that you, you don't eat as much. You feel like you've eaten more. Also, with, with the microgreens, you're kind of cooking them or using them in a way that it's going to be healthier foods. Also, you're eating more fresh foods versus processed foods then. Mm, okay. Good question. What's the difference between a sprout and a microgreen? So with sprouts and microgreens, there is a distinct difference in how they're produced. Um, when you're making sprouts, you're sprouting them typically in a jar or in a warm, moist environment with no growing medium. When you're eating sprouts, you're typically going to eat the seed and the root as well with them. So with sprouting, it's kind of considered more of a high risk when you're looking at health department standards. They're considered high risk because they're kept warm and moist at all times. Um, if they're not rinsed properly and cared for properly, they can easily carry pathogens. Um, that's kind of why we went towards the microgreen route. Microgreens are considered a single cut produce because we do grow them in soil. 
we use um, just soil and water, and then we harvest above the soil line. So you're not consuming the seed or the root. You're just consuming the upper part of the plant. Have you observed that there's a different nutritional value in sprouts versus microgreens? With microgreens, you're going to have more phytonutrients. You're going to have a little bit more because they are allowed to get light and they're greening up. Um, with sprouts, they're only five to seven days old, um, so they're not going to get the light and the chlorophyll content in them. With microgreens, they are getting light. They're getting chlorophyll within them, so you're going to have more phytonutrients. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've had some people seem to, the, I, don't know, I guess they think that sprouts have more nutrition, but you're saying that... Uh, the papers you've observed, uh, microgreens have more nutrition. It kind of depends on what nutrition you're looking for. So if you're looking for more phytonutrients, you're looking more towards microgreens. If you're looking more towards fiber content, um, you would look more towards sprouts just because you could eat more sprouts in a sitting. Oh, why could you eat more sprouts in a sitting? Just because they're smaller. Um, so if you're eating an ounce of sprouts, it's going to take more seeds to make an ounce of sprouts versus an ounce of microgreens. Okay, so sprouts that grow for a little bit longer in, in a growth medium, those become microgreens? Essentially, yes. Yeah, so you would, uh, if you started it out in a medium and you're harvesting it above a soil line or above the medium line and you're not consuming the seed or the root. Okay. Do you ever mix in sprouts and microgreens or you just go straight microgreens for everything you do? Um, on a personal level, we do sprouts as well. Um, I don't sell sprouts just because, again, it's a health department issue. They, they're considered a high-risk food, so we try to stay away from that on a business side. Um, on a personal level, I do enjoy broccoli sprouts, and I like buckwheat sprouts more than I do the buckwheat microgreens. So I do eat buckwheat sprouts. Oh, why do they have a different taste? Or they're a little bit more mild. Buckwheat microgreens can have a bit more of a lemony tart taste to them. Um, and I prefer a little bit more mild. So we do the sprout version of those when we're eating those. Yeah, I've had radish microgreens and radish sprouts. Well, they're really spicy. They can definitely have a kick. The great thing about radish microgreens and radish sprouts, it just kind of depends on what variety you grow. We grow three different kinds of radishes. So one of them is a daikon variety. It is very, very spicy. That one only goes in certain dishes that we know we want spice in. But if we do like a Triton purple, they're actually a more mild version of a radish. So I will work those into our breakfasts and stuff, and it's not as... Um, intrusive of a flavor. Uh, what about your kids? Do they, uh, they will eat them or do they cry out? Um, at first, they were kind of weirded out by it. They, they didn't really enjoy it as much, but now they've kind of accepted the fact that those are part of the food around here. And it's, it's funny watching um, my oldest son, he was making a sandwich a couple weeks ago and he was like, hey mom, where's the microgreens? And I was like, but he's like, well, there's none in the fridge and, you know, am I allowed to harvest anything? Because I'm trying to make a sandwich and he, yeah. he didn't know what to do without it on there. Um, so they've gotten so used to having them there. It's part of their daily routine now. Yeah, that's really cool. That's excellent. What's next? Are there other varieties that you want to start growing and including? You said you had like 17, which is a lot. <laughs> do you ever get, do you like a tutti fruity mix for every single microgreens in there? All 17? No, we don't have a mix like quite that interesting yet yet i'm sure we'll get there um we've been just playing around with a, a lot of really fun varieties like carrot microgreens we've been doing a lot of carrots i've really found their flavor profile to be great looking into more research into those and really trying to incorporate um some of the harder grows partially because i find them to be fun i do enjoy growing still so i i do want to work in varieties that i enjoy 
growing, but also just really trying to discover new flavors and new ways to use them. And we've got a new mix for our chefs. We've got a few chefs that use them not only for garnish, they're they're working them into salads. So trying to use them as more of a nutrition aspect. So it's good to see they're embracing that. So they're using a lot more of the basils and the carrots and things that are going to be higher flavor, but also really great nutrition. Are there any uh, microgreens that you tried that you're like, uh, this just does not work? Either they tasted bad or there's something else strange about them or made you feel weird. Yeah, there's a couple varieties of kale. I'm I'm honestly not a huge kale fan. There are a couple of varieties of kale that I will not grow <laughs> just because I do not like them. Um, we've tried them. They, they're, they're very uh, bitter. They can have a lot of kale taste to them. Um, we currently grow a white Russian kale. It's very lettuce very, very mild, consumer-friendly, I call it. Um, so it, it tastes more like lettuce than it does kale. Super great taste profile. I've, I've read up some articles on it. It's comparable to the more pungent flavored ones. There is a wasabina mustard one that I don't like because it is just too spicy. It burns your face. <laughs> <laughs> that one I don't grow. I grow it if a chef requests it, but I will not eat it. Fava, I find to be a little bit too green tasting. It's a good flavor when it's sauteed. Um, with garlic and olive oil, we'll saute fava with that. But the fava shoots can be pretty strong flavor, so I don't usually use those a lot. But if, again, it's more of a request-only kind of one, we have the seeds available if we want to grow them. Um, I don't count them in my 17 varieties right now just because they're not a consistent grow. But they, they're okay, but I don't really like them as much. Those are like the, probably the only three that I don't really eat a lot. Everything else I eat all the time. Does anyone do strange ones? Like, I was in this before that, uh, wheatgrass. Mm-hmm. Is that considered a microgreen or is it in a category of its own for some reason? It's kind of more so in a category of its own because wheatgrass, for people, we don't eat it straight. We would um, juice it. The amount of fiber in wheatgrass is just too much for us to digest. Um, so oh. best juiced, not necessarily blended. So instead of like putting it in a smoothie, you would want to juice it beforehand and then add it to a smoothie from there. So it's kind of in a class of its own. So we do grow wheatgrass um, and I do juice it. Typically, if I do wheatgrass, I will juice it with a nana and an orange and I'll do it that way so it's less grassy. Do you see anyone that's trying to do oak tree microgreens or peaches or blueberries or really weird stuff that you never think someone would eat a microgreen of, you know, shredder mm -hmm. microgreens or pumpkin? Or... We do see um, cantaloupe often. Um, I haven't grown it yet. They've, I've seen cantaloupe grown. Most other ones that they just don't have a very good flavor profile. And then the other odd one I've seen is moringa, um, which is a tree. So it's a longer grow. The seeds are very expensive. So I haven't tried that yet, but I, I'm, the health benefits of moringa are amazing. So I definitely at some point want to get a hold of those and try it for sure. Are there any that are um, surprisingly sweet? sugary or like uh no like what's the best tasting microgreen you've seen or tasted um so the sweetest one i've ever had in we grow is uh popcorn so popcorn microgreens are popcorn. like actual popcorn shoots so the actual corn shoots you grow them in mm -hmm. the dark though so they have to be kept completely dark they're bright yellow because they've gotten no light and they taste like corn syrup mm. super duper sweet the only 
addition that I use those for is typically like a tomato cucumber salad. And I'll put some Italian seasoning on that. Instead of adding something like sugary to it, we would add some popcorn shoots diced up in there. Really, really good that way. But other than that, most of them are just for garnish. Um, they look really cool. But to use in a salad, I would use those instead of like a sugar-based type thing. So instead of like an Italian seasoning with some yeah. sugar in it, we would use the popcorn shoots. What about, um, I had this idea. What if you did a bunch of microgreen sauces? You pureed them and you made pestos and you made, you know, you put them in red sauce and white sauce. Again, you sold them as like, again, pureed sauces. Oh, yeah. You can do pestos pretty easily. Um, We actually just tried a recipe for a sweet pea pesto. So really, really great flavor with that. You can do pestos with them. We've done um, Italian dressing with the basil mixed into it. So you can utilize them in ways that are not conventional, but they definitely could be jarred into like pestos and uh, pasta sauces and dressings. We've done dehydrating. I know a couple other growers that are looking into freeze drying, um, but we have dehydrated our micros and put them in with salts. So you could do like a leek with uh, salt. So you can do that as a seasoning. So there's some non-traditional ways to consume them that aren't necessarily just eating them as a salad. Does anyone ever try to freeze microgreens or do anything with them that way? Or is there really no point? So if you freeze them, they won't look as good. But actually, when you're freezing um, a microgreen, the nutrition is actually better. I've I've read up on, oh, I'd have to think of the article. I don't know it offhand, but there's an article about when you freeze microgreens, um, you kind of break that cell wall and it's a little bit easier to absorb the nutrition. So if you... We have customers, if they ask about, hey, if I'm not going to eat these in time, what should I do with them? If they make smoothies often, I will tell them, hey, you can freeze them and then put them in your smoothies later. So it's a great way to utilize microgreens in their short shelf life and kind of extend that life by freezing them. And then you can use them in your smoothies later. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So what's uh, what's next for you guys? Are you going to try to find more varieties or like, are you happy with the way that business is right now? Or do you want to scale it up? What, what do you want to do next? So we are in the process of doing some major scaling. Um, we actually just signed a lease on a warehouse space, heated and cooled, fully enclosed warehouse. So we will be growing. We're going to go from about 300 square feet of grow space to 3,000 square feet of space and growing. So it's going to be awesome um, to be able to kind of spread our wings a little bit. We have been growing hydroponic lettuce for us on a personal level. I'd love to be able to bring that into like on a market scale. And then edible flowers are something that I really want to play with. They're really fun, really interesting grows. And right now, like we've got a few of them growing nasturtiums, bachelor's buttons. They're all edible. Nasturtiums have a great peppery taste. So they add really a really cool profile to a salad. But to be able to grow those at scale is going to be awesome. Yeah, a lot of possibilities. Interesting. Are there any microgreens or sprouts or just edible flowers or other fruits or whatever it may be that you guys want to do, but it's really difficult to do? have uh, special properties or certain nutrition that you can't get from anywhere else. Are there any, again, dream things to grow that are out of reach right now for some reason? I feel like nothing's out of reach. I, I feel like as we continue growing, it, it might take a little more time, but I will figure out a way to grow things. <laughs> but like the Moringa was one that we mentioned earlier. That's something that I, I haven't been able to get a hold of the seeds yet. And I really want to try because I think the health benefits of Moringa could be huge. And if I could figure out how to make it accessible for more people, I would love to be able to share that. Does anyone have cactus microgreens or is there such a thing or like bamboo or crazy things? Take mostly a long time to grow. 
I think they would take longer to grow than what we would be able to do. So our typical grow on microgreens is going to be 10 days. Longer varieties like basil, cilantro, carrot, celery, those are like three to four weeks at most. But typically we're looking towards more that 10 day grow. So moringa I know is like a six week grow. That one I, I know I would love to play with. Um, I don't know how feasible it would be on a commercial scale, but on a personal level, I would love to do that. But with like cactus, bamboo, things like that, things are going to take a little bit longer to germinate and accessing seeds is going to be the other challenge. What we discovered very quickly in the height of pandemic, it was couldn't get the things to grow. So in order to get the seeds from Italy, you, you couldn't. So sunflower seeds was a major challenge in 2021 finding a consistent supply that was of good quality really became much more difficult than we had ever anticipated because you don't think about the farms that are growing specifically to grow seeds. Mm, that's right. Well, yeah, it's a good question. Um, do you have to buy your seeds from other people or do you put aside a percentage of your grow, grow them all the way and make a batch of new seeds for next time? So we buy our seeds from reputable suppliers that are certified organic. So our goal is to purchase seeds more so than to grow our own. We don't really have enough land. The amount of land required to make as much seeds as we would use, I don't currently have access to. But also the processing for seeds is a challenge. So every variety is going to require a different amount of dry time, any kind of seed holes that need to come off, any shells and casings for seeds. You're, you're looking at a lot of processing equipment um, that's very specialized for seed production. Oh, one thing that came to mind, what about coffee? Has anyone had coffee sprouts or coffee microgreens? I've never tried Does it. Have caffeine in them? That would be interesting. I have not yeah. tried that. That's a good thought. Okay. Maybe I'll grow up some. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to figure out how to grow some. I know a couple yeah. of monsters. Who's innovating in the microgreen world by trying new stuff and like, uh, you mentioned a couple of publications that you read, but is there a, uh, an organization or an individual or group or whatever that really is like avant-garde nuts and trying to do tons of stuff? Gar on a grower level, um, Chris Thoreau is really awesome. He have created a program called Seedleaf, and it's basically like a growing program. So you would plug in, hey, I need to grow this much of this for this order, and it tells you when to plant it and um, seeding densities and tracks all that for you, which is awesome. But also he's been around forever and he's always posting and showing different experiments on seeding densities, growing mediums. I think he's getting ready to build out a trailer just to do testing. So it's I'm super excited to see that because he's been around for so many years growing microgreens. It's great to see the passion and the excitement still. Mm. Oh, I guess last thing is anyone make tinctures? You get a bunch of microgreens, you put them in a press, squeeze out the juice, and, you know, they get a tincture for somebody that they can, you know, a few drops of a day or, you know, they could put on something or whatever. Tinctures would be an, a really great applied use, especially for some of the like the specialty varieties like uh, cilantro. Cilantro has like liver cleansing benefits and things like that. So you would be able to kind of work on a tincture with that. I was actually discussing that with um, a soap maker that's at the micro at the farmer's market as well. So she was like, I wonder if I could make something out of that. I think it could be a really great avenue for um, a value add product um, that's more shelf stable. One of the biggest challenges with microgreens is, you know, they are such a small, delicate variety. You're looking at 10 
maybe days of life out of them um, after you've harvested, one of the great ways to preserve these things would be like a tincture, freezing. We've looked at freeze drying, dehydrating, different ways to kind of keep the products fresh longer. So that would definitely be something we would love to look into. Yeah, with all the craze over weed everywhere, gummies and hemp and all that, does anyone do hemp microgreens or? They are a thing. Hemp microgreens are something that I've heard of. I've never tried to grow them. I don't know how feasible they would be on a commercial level, but I think hemp does have a lot of health benefits that could be very valuable to a lot of people. And again, that could be a tincture also. Yeah. Okay. Well, I try to think of every microgreen possible. Yes. I love it. Well, very good. Uh, where can people, I don't know if you ship all over the U.S. or just locally, but where can people buy microgreens from you and find out more about you and you know, see what you got? Well, they can check out our website, itty-bitty-microfarm.com, if they're looking on the consumer side. Um, we also have a YouTube channel teaching people how to grow microgreens. That's itty-bitty-microfarm on YouTube. Um, that's mostly my husband on there. Um, he does a lot of the teaching for us. We do a microgreens business coaching program as well. So we teach other smaller growers how to grow microgreens and also grow a business. We do a lot of work on our Instagram and Facebook and any of the social media platforms to try to share as much as we can for like recipes and different ways to use microgreens. So um, really, anywhere you look for Itty Bitty Micro Farm, you'll find us. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thanks so much for coming to the podcast and, uh, you know, being okay with all my questions. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. You have a wonderful day. Remember, before you go, you've got to check out treehouse.com. That's T-R-E, only one E, T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. They offer an array of premium legal THC products, including gummies, vapes, pre-rolls, and more. And they're all delivered right to your doorstep. With unique blends of carefully selected cannabinoids, all rigorously lab-tested to ensure quality and consistency, Treehouse products give you the buzz you simply can't get anywhere else. Head over to Treehouse.com. That's T-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. Remember, there's one E, not two. And enjoy 30% off your order. And get Acapulco Gold HHC pre-rolls when you use the coupon code GENIUS at checkout. Hurry because the offer expires August 31st, 2023. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.